And the young man turned to me and said, what would you know? You're old. (laughs) Well, after a second of shock, (laughs) my dear in the headlights moment, I said to him, if you are lucky, if you are very, very lucky, you'll get to be old like me. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview thoughtful, inspiring, and influential guests who are making their mark on the world and contributing to the common good. Making your mark, big or small, is creating a legacy, and it's one of the proven ways we can age with vibrance and vitality. Successful Aging Podcast is my legacy. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. Our lovely music is courtesy of the lovely Judy Banker, who was a previous guest on Zestful Aging. Find out more about Judy at judybanker.com. And to find out more about this podcast, my web courses and other offerings, hop on over to zestfulaging.com. I know that everyone is feeling really stressed and anxious right now. We're all unsettled and feel out of control. So I created a free download for you for maintaining mental health based on my 30 years as a psychotherapist. Um, Just go to zestfulaging.com and it is all yours. Well, we have a really great interview for you today. One of the main themes of Zestful Aging podcast, of course, is highlighting how people in middle age and beyond can create their own legacies, which not only help them live better lives, but of course also contribute to the betterment of society. And our guest today has done this in several ways. She's a psychologist, a trial consultant, an author, and an advocate for positive aging. And she's going to talk with us uh, about a lot of different things, but one of them is about how to live not only longer, but better. Dr. Noelle Nelson, or Dr. Noelle, is the author of Happy Healthy Dead. And more recently, I survived the COVID-19 pandemic, What Now? Finding Happiness and Success in a Post-COVID World. And she's been posting stories about older folks, she calls them amazings, on a Facebook page, Meet the Amazings. And that's actually how I discovered her. These are older adults who have achieved impressive feats or are living truly fulfilling lives. And on a side note, Dr. Noelle is 72 years old. She's a competitive ballroom dancer. She started at age 70. And on top of all that, her home was destroyed in the Southern California wildfires in November 2018. And her ability to get through the upheaval in her life can be called truly amazing. Welcome to the show, Dr. Noelle. Thank you, Nicole. It's a pleasure to be here. There's so much to talk about. I feel like I'm a kid in a candy store because you've done so much interesting work. And as, as a psychotherapist, I, I was really fascinated to talk to you about uh, being a trial consultant. But I think today uh, we're going to talk about, first of all, meeting the amazings and um, how you profile people who are doing some really interesting things at older ages. You want to talk a little bit about them and how that idea came came about? 
That would indeed be delightful. Yes, thank you so much. Um, well, it all started when I was traveling for business a lot, which of course has stopped since the pandemic. But I was on a plane one day uh, waiting for the airplane to taxi and the flight attendant had given the, you know, time to turn down, power out, whatever, your various devices. And the young man next to me was texting away and paying absolutely no attention. He had his earbuds firmly plugged into his ears. I thought, well, perhaps he didn't hear the flight attendant. <laughs> so I leaned over and said, excuse me, but you need to turn off uh, your cell. He ignored me. Okay, fine. But then the plane started to literally taxi down the runway. And I'm thinking, this is not good. I mean, there's a reason that they mm. tell us to power off our devices. So I turned to him again. I said a little more loudly this time, excuse me, but you really do need to turn off your cell. Its frequencies could interfere with the pilot's radio frequencies. And the young man turned to me and said, what would you know? You're old. Oh. <laughs> well, oh, after a second of shock, <laughs> my dear in the headlights moment, I said to him, if you are lucky, if you are very, very lucky, you'll get to be old like me. Now, mind you, Nicole, I was all of about 60 at the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but mm. it got me thinking, is this really what people think of anybody over the age of 60? And scientists that I am, I scurried around and researched and did all that good stuff. And I found out that unfortunately, yes, a, a very large proportion of the population does think that anybody over especially 65, 70 must be decrepit, stupid, useless, <laughs> ignorant, etc. And a drain on society oh, and totally. social security. Totally. So along the way, of course, what do you think I discovered? I discovered literally hundreds of what I came to call the amazings. People generally in their late 70s, 80s, 90s, and hundreds who mm. are doing truly incredible things. Since 2016, mid-2016 to date, Nicole, I have featured over 400 amazings on my Facebook page mm -hmm. at the simple rate of two a week. And these are people that I find just by searching the internet, looking through various newspapers, people who know, of course, that I'm interested sort of drop them in my lap. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely thrilling to me that these people not only exist, not only survive, but they are thriving in mm -hmm. magical and wonderful ways, truly mm -hmm. an inspiration. Mm -hmm. Is that the first time you were aware of, or you were subject to an ageist remark or yes. uh, attitude, do you think? Yes, it really was, and it shocked me because because of my, my primary, well, my, my primary professions are as a trial consultant and an author. And as a trial consultant, when people hire me, they actually want to hear my opinion. So they're not inclined to diss either my gender or my age. Uh -huh. And as an author, nobody usually even knows. <laughs> they don't see you. They just they read your words. You know, and then much uh -huh. later down the road, in the world of, of um, competitive ballroom dancing, in the amateur world, nobody cares about your age. And a lot of people are my age or older. Mm -hmm. So, no, I never had. Mm -hmm. So this was really a watershed event in a number of ways um, that you were seeing that, wait a minute, there's a lot of ageism out there. And all of a sudden, here I am getting the brunt of it. And then it, it, it uh, 
motivated you to say, I have to learn more about this. Absolutely. And, and throw you and really become engaged in the world of the beauty of aging and the potential. The potential is a fantastic word, Nicole, because that's what people, unless they, once they get there, they realize it many times, but really the potential is, is for, it's a liberation. It's when generally speaking, you've retired and hopefully you've managed to kind of, you know, maneuver your finances such that you're okay, because that is not a subject I get into. And so those individuals are able now to actually do something they never could do before. And that leads them down marvelous paths. Mm -hmm. And let me ask you this question, because this is something that uh, many of my guests and my clients have talked about. Sometimes there is a bit of a, an, an adjustment period and a questioning. It's not always that people in their careers retire and say, now I know what I'm gonna do. I've always wanted to do blank. I'm gonna work on this project. I'm gonna do what I've always wanted to do. Sometimes they say, well, I'm no longer going to the office. I'm no longer parenting at that level. I'm no longer whatever doing, you know, PTA, driving the kids, whatever. I'm not really sure what happens next. This is true. There are certainly some people who go through that. What my experience with the amazings that I have uh, researched is that often there is something they either started in their 50s or were thinking about for a long time. Like, let me give you an example, because I think this fellow is just marvelous. Um, Mr. Paterno. Mr. Paterno mm -hmm. is Italian and he was a railway worker. And before that, he was a World War II vet in the Italian Navy. And his life was, as all of our lives are, busy with work and raising a family and all that good stuff. But he'd always wanted an education. So when he was 90, he enrolled at the University of Palermo. And at 96, he graduated with his degree in history and philosophy. And he is one happy camper. So that's a journey, if you will. The desire for knowledge was always with him. But life did what life does. And he didn't feel that he was able to really engage with that until he was 90. Mm -hmm. And then he did. See, that's the difference is there's lots of us, lots and lots and lots of us. And I don't care if we're 20, 30, 40, 60 or 80 who go, oh, I wish, I wish. But we never, we never find the what's it's inside to step up to the plate and actually do it. That's what does what it the take? What what does it take? Because I think you really hit on something so important that we can all say, "Wow, you know, when I have more time, when I'm retired, I'm going to learn to sail or or speak Spanish or, or these are my personal favorites, but I'm going to do this and that." But you're saying, "Okay, that's wonderful to have a dream, but you have to step up to the plate." What does that entail? I found that the Amazings share three qualities, Nicole. First of all is an optimistic approach. They have that attitude of there is a hope, there is a better tomorrow, there's got to be a way, something might work, all of those things which are an optimistic perspective. Secondly, they have a passion for something. And I have learned that that passion is so wide-ranging. There's a gentleman who's a bear whisperer. 
B-E-A-R, the animal. Amazing. Mm. There are people who fall in love with keeping bees. There are people who fall in love with an amazing garden. There are people who decide to be marathoners, but it's always from a passion. And often the passion is engaged when they actually start the activity on a very low key level, Mm -hmm. just a little bit here and there. And then the third element is a purpose or a goal. Now that can seem odd when you're, when you're, you know, puttering in your garden, but a goal doesn't have to be to a world peace, as beautiful as that is. Mm-hmm. A goal can simply be, I want to see this peach tree really thrive. That can be a goal. A goal can be, dang it, I'm going to be the oldest person in that marathon. I don't care <laughs> if I come in last, uber last, super last. I don't care. I'm going to be in that marathon. That's a goal. The reason a goal is important or a purpose is because it keeps you moving forward. So those three things, optimism, passion, and a purpose or goal are what seem to make the difference between amazings who actually do step up and do something and a lot of us who wish. I see. So that, that makes so much sense. And I'm wondering, is there a way to learn how to be optimistic and goal setting and passionate is your sense with all of these people, these amazings you've interviewed that they're innate, that they're innately coming to their retirement with these qualities, or are they saying, listen, I need to get more optimistic or I need to find a passion or I need to be more um, goal setting to move to the next step. Does it feel like it's innate or does it feel like it's something that they went after sort of thoughtfully? You know, Nicole, I think this goes to the old nature-nurture controversy, which is, for example, I was not an optimist until I was in my 30s. No way. I mean, I was probably one of your more cynical, pessimistic people. And as Dr. Seligman has pointed out in his very, very excellent book, Learned Optimism, optimism is something you can learn. Mm -hmm. And often we learn it because life sort of forces us into it, if you will, in one way or another. But some people are optimistic from birth. They just are. They're they're your happy campers, no matter what. (laughs) So it's it's a nature nurture. And the same thing with a passion or a purpose. And often you sort of fall into your passion. And it can be because somebody said, well, you know, come come, join me at this book club. Or I have a dear, dear friend of mine who thought, God, it'd be kind of fun to write, but you know, I, I can't write. And so a friend invited her to come to a writer's group just once, just to see. And she thought, oh, this could be kind of interesting. So that's a nurture, if you will. So it it's all depends on the individual. But mm-hmm. the bottom line is you do have to, in one way or another, stick your toe in the water. So it takes a little bit of risk. Yes. Mm-hmm. And maybe a little discomfort if the water's cold and we're saying, I've never been to a marathon before, but I'm going to do it anyway. And usually somebody would start by watching one or volunteering at one. Mm-hmm. and going, well, that could be fun. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the, the discomfort, I think, is less problematic unless people, and this I have not encountered much in looking at my, the amazings I've researched, if, if one jumps in too fast, too hard, if you will. That's I not see. usually the case. It usually builds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I will 
often ask guests, would you have known you were going to do this if we sort of could look back on your childhood? And there's always a little clue or a hint that, well, I used to like to do this or right. so, or, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, you, this was maybe dormant. And now, as you say, you have the time and maybe resources. Right. Mm-hmm. And mostly you have the time and, and want to put your energy somewhere. Mm-hmm. Hey everyone, I wanted to tell you about a powerful new tool that supports your mental and emotional health in what are extremely trying times. And you may remember that I've been a psychotherapist for 30 years, and I'm always a little suspicious of products that claim to help us feel less anxious, depressed, or worried. But then I was introduced to a new kind of app called Cope Notes, and I have become a big fan. Cope Notes was developed by a guy who spent a lot of his life trying to figure out what might help support him through his own weekly psychotherapy sessions. Cope Notes is an app that gives you random texts through the day to break through some of the negative messages that might be repeating in your head. It's well-researched and has been a adopted by many mental health facilities. I highly recommend it. I think we can all use a little support right now. So check out copenotes.com forward slash zestful. I will receive a small portion of those proceeds. Um, And I'd love to hear your feedback about how it works for you. Now back to the show. Yes. Has this changed who you are uh, doing all this research, having that like, I guess, an aha moment, and then saying, I got to learn more about this than interviewing 450 amazings. How, what impact has that had on you? (laughs) It makes me fall even more in love with life (laughs) Uh and the incredible diversity of individuals, how, how, how marvelous we are. I mean, mean, it's just, okay, let me rewind for a second here, Nicole. You get me on one of my favorite subjects, (laughs) which is my, I have a whole string of books. I have 15 books to date and a whole string and they're all about the power of appreciation, (laughs) which oddly enough, I learned from being a trial consultant and recognizing that a vast majority of civil lawsuits occur because someone didn't feel in one way or another appreciated. So that was, that was research number one, was about the nature of appreciation and what it means and how it impacts us and so forth. And what I see with zestful aging, if you will, is that people come with a greater and greater sense of appreciation for life. Whether you're in a wheelchair or, or the poet who lived inside an iron lung. I mean, it's not This is where people get confused sometimes. It's not the physical capability that makes for the passion or the purpose. It's the willingness of the spirit. Because I have watched amazings do this literally from wheelchairs, from sick beds, with one leg, with no legs, with, you know, whatever. Even Alzheimer's, even Alzheimer's amazings who have still said, I can still learn something and gone to learn something. 
That almost a, a, a there's a stop a stubbornness isn't really a good word, but like it's a discipline of I am going to focus on what's good, correct, and what's joyful, all the while knowing it's not ideal to be in an iron iron long or bedridden or you know with Alzheimer's, and it's it's the idea of shining the light of attention. Um, I see. Correct. Because frankly, whatever you focus on grows. It's mm. pretty simple. You can choose to focus on the lack, the unhappiness, the, the, the disability, the whatever it is, or you can choose to look at basketball teams made entirely of amputees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as a, as a clinician, a psychologist, uh, um, I'm thinking about, to- you know, this idea of tolerating both the grief, the loss that comes with our aging bodies, but also, or tolerating that, but really focusing on, and yet, and yet I can still do this, and yet I love doing this, knowing that I have crimply skin, and that after I play tennis, my joints are sore, but yet I am still out there with my over 55 league in, in, in really in what I would describe sometimes in these flow moments that are just beautiful. You know, they have a saying at the studio where I train for ballroom, which is you work with the body in front of you. Mm-hmm. Because you can well imagine that in the, because there's various age categories in the 50 to 60, 60 to 70, 70 plus, in those age categories, our bodies are all different and changing. And they certainly aren't my, my 20-year-old body or my 30-year-old body. That's right. Thank you very much. And so they say, and I think it's a wonderfully intelligent approach, you work with the body in front of you, meaning that the, your instructor doesn't assume that he's going to train Noel, for example, the way he's going to train Christina. Mm-hmm. We have different bodies and they're aging differently. And so they work with, well, that's the same thing that these amazings do is sure. I mean, you know, your knees get sore and whatever, but it's like, okay. And your point is. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a point you're also talking about radical acceptance of what is. I suppose to me, it's just acceptance. (laughs) You know, I can't do an arabesque, which as a ballet dancer, back in my 20s I could do no problem beautifully I can't I can't do one now to save my soul so I don't I don't do them anymore but I can kick to the front like nobody's business so we mm-hmm. use that so to me that isn't radical that's just acceptance <laughs> what else am I supposed to do cry well what do you say to people who might say listen that's all very well and good but the world is falling apart here and um, you know for you to be just thinking about, listen, I can do this, you know, I'm going to really focus on the good, focus on appreciation. What do you say to the people who are saying that's kind of Pollyannish? What, aren't you paying attention to where we are in our, our day to day? I would say a couple of things. Um, I have the advantage of having a first PhD as a political sociologist. And I say the advantage because sociology, especially the sub branch of political sociology, teaches you to take the long view. And when I take the long view of civilization, what I notice is 
certain things that were perfectly acceptable just a few hundred years ago are no longer considered acceptable at all. We no longer brand human beings. We just don't do it. And I'm not talking, I'm talking about our Western world, which is the one I know the best, okay? We no longer enslave children for labor. It is no longer considered acceptable to beat your spouse. Mm -hmm. We do progress and we do this despite or during pandemics, wars, civil unrest, violence, inequality, and all the rest of it. So if you take the long view, which I think is helpful, is you see that civilization does progress. The second thing I would say is do what you can your small bit, whatever that is, to right the wrongs of this world, to combat the injustice, to whatever your words are. doesn't matter. Do what you believe that you can in your own small way. I write my books. That's what I do, to okay. try to inspire, encourage, help. And thirdly, what's going on in your very small individual, and by small I don't mean to belittle, I mean small in terms of, of number of persons in it. What's going on in your small world? Is everybody still eating okay? Is there a roof over your head? Are you able to cope, at least for the most part, financially, most days? In other words, we can't fix all of it all of the time, but we can do our part in our own lives to make our own lives as healthy and fulfilling as possible, and then in turn, look out at the world and see where you want to help. <laughs> I mean, there's food share that I give to, There's and not money, I give food to food share, and so forth. There's, there's all sorts of places, if you wish to be an influence in the larger world, if you see it as going to hell in a handbasket, then do it. Even if it's just offering one apple at food share, they'll take it happily. <laughs> And is this view what, I, I watched something that was fascinating, Simon Selig was talking about the difference uh, between optimism and positivity. And, and what he talked about was optimism being quite realistic, but still believing things will work out. And positivity being more of, you know, uh, it's fine, it's great, every, you know, everything's fine. So you're talking about optimism. Is that something that you uh, talk about in your latest book, the surviving the, the COVID pandemic? Is that something that's important? Nicole, you hit it really right on the head. Yes. And optimism is not Pollyannish at all. Although one should remember that Pollyanna did thrive if you look back at the original work. Uh, but that, <laughs> good that being good said, to know. <laughs> really. So here's the thing. Optimism is looking at what might be a better way here? What could work? What resources or support might be available? Those words, might, could, are the true optimist's approach. And it's sometimes what I think of, and this I do speak to in my new book, as the MacGyver approach. Gotta be <laughs> away. Gotta be away. Now, if, you, if you've watched either the old-time MacGyver or the current one, the situation's always the same. The main character, MacGyver, is put in an impossible situation. There's no and way always, And there are always paper clips involved. There's always paper clips, duct tape, you know, some ridiculous, wonderful thing. Uh -huh. But here's the thing. There's always 
that the moral of that show and why I think it has endured both as a as the original and as the reboot is there's got to be a way. And as long as we have that thought, we are optimists. Got to be a way. It may be inside, outside, backwards, upside down. Got to be a way. How do we think electricity was invented? Got to be a way. 1,000 light bulbs later, whatever it was, 1,000 experiments <laughs> later, got to be a way. Got to be a way is what truly moves the world forward in a good sense. And it's why I think acceptance is so important because I, hey, COVID-19 exists. The pandemic exists. It'd be stupid of me to think that everything's fine. I don't. But I do think got to be a way. Got to be a way. And are you uh, somebody who goes through your day intentionally saying, what am I grateful for? What am I appreciative of? Or do you, as Rumi would say, wear a cloak of gratitude <laughs> as you walk through your day and it just be part of how you, um, the lens in which you see the world? It's actually twofold. I am a ridiculously practical down to earth person and I require what I call props. So I spend my morning with meditation and affirmations, which rejuvenate and, and support and nurture my appreciation for various specifics. Before I, I eat my evening meal, I always say, first, I give thanks. And I don't just give thanks for the meal. I start with my, I start with the beginning of my day. Thank you for waking up. Thank you for getting me out of bed. Thank you. I mean, because to me, appreciation is both the cloak that Rumi speaks of, but it's also for me a very conscious, very deliberate thing mm -hmm. that I do. Because mm -hmm. as I said, Nicole, I was not born an optimist. So for me, this has been a training, a lifelong lesson, but it has reaped so many rewards that I cannot help but live this way. Mm -hmm. And you've rewired your brain, as we know from the research. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to talk a little bit more about your book? Yes, that would be great. You know, I wrote, I survived COVID-19, what now? Because for so many people, it's, it's, and for me too, at various times, it's been so depressing and demoralizing and, and what's going on and why and all that, that I figured we need to look out. And so I started where I always start, Nicole, which is researching people who have been in impossible situations and found a way. And so the book is really a collection of stories about people like Mr. Ken, who started the Free Hugs Project. He wanted to run in the Boston Marathon that was the year after the terrible Boston Marathon with the bombing. Mm -hmm. And he found that his time, because the Boston Marathon requires a qualifying time, his time was just a little bit short, 23 seconds. Okay. So he couldn't. Now, he had a, a lot of choices. He could go home with his tail between his legs. He could get depressed. He could blame the universe, the, the judges, the whoever's. Instead, what he did is he got a piece of cardboard and he wrote with a Sharpie on it, free hugs. And he stood by the marathoners as they ran by. And anytime they wanted to stop for water, whatever they stopped for, he would give, if they wished, a free hug. And then, since then, what do you think he's done? He's gone around the world as a motivational speaker giving out free hugs. Now, that's somebody who took what was personally for him a very unhappy event and turned it into something wonderful. The book is laden with stories like that. 
because quite frankly, people really are wonderful. We really do have what it takes. And sometimes all we need, and the reason I wrote the book, is an an example to inspire us, an idea to enthuse us, something like that. You're talking about resilience. Yes, of course. Uh Uh-huh. And just, it's such a beautiful thing to, to watch. You watch babies, they're resilient. We would never walk if it weren't for babies' willingness to get past the crawl. And all of this while you are doing trial consulting and uh, your serious ballroom dancing, anything um, kind of on deck here that you're thinking, you know, I haven't tried that yet, and it looks fun? You mean something another new thing? Yes. (laughs) No, to be honest with you, I'm just eager for the world to come to a place where we can have our competitions again, because all ballroom competitions have been closed this year. Um, And since it's something I only started two years ago and takes a great deal of training and a great deal of effort, (laughs) I think for now, Nicole, that'll hold me just fine. But of course, there's always another book, always another script. There's always Mm -hmm. something that I'm writing. Tell me about scripts. Uh, I have a featured film that was produced called My Daddy's in Heaven. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I write scripts and submit them and let's see where we go. Mm -hmm. So you are one busy woman. You know, people say that. But to be honest with you, Nicole, it doesn't really feel like that. It just feels like I don't waste a lot of time. Mm Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like what's happened is you've been able to find these practices that really support your beliefs that people are wonderful, people are resilient. There is a reason to be hopeful and optimistic. And it's not just a thought you have, but you're kind of walking the walk every day. You're putting it, you say you talk about being practical, you are putting that in action. Well, I really don't know any other way to be. So what do, what do you think about uh, your legacy? You've touched on many different aspects of the things that bring you meaning and that you hope you're doing and helping others. But is there a particular legacy that you want to leave? I like to think of myself as the thank you lady. Mm-hmm. Because if I see anything, anybody that I can say thank you to, I do it. I do it to people cleaning restrooms, to TSA officials when I used to travel as much as I did. Uh, I see, a, you know, anyone and anywhere, I'll, I'll say thank you for whatever it is. Because if there's anything that I would have as a quotes legacy, it would be. Did I make someone feel appreciated? Because if I did that for one person, I will die happy. It sounds like you're you're acknowledging that that gives as much as it gets, that it feels good to appreciate. It does. And mm-hmm. I mean, I could if we went into the science, there's science galore on what the benefits to your own body and brain when you mm-hmm. appreciate. But there's nothing more wonderful to me than seeing someone kind of light up when they were Mm -hmm. dim before. Mm -hmm. 
It is remarkable um, because I really share that value. I, I, I'm looking for the opportunity and I find that it's interesting now wearing masks that smiling at people doesn't really work anymore because oh, they can I so see disagree. Her. Yeah. I okay. so disagree. I'm sorry, tell me. Nicole. Yeah, no, tell me. You, you see can see a smile eyes. in the eyes. You can okay. see a smile in the eyes and mm -hmm. you can see it. You can hear it in the tone of voice. Can you mm -hmm. tell, can't you tell that I'm smiling now? <laughs> I guess I, I guess I, um, I'm used to them seeing me smile and maybe I do not, uh, maybe that's just something I'm missing, but I, I, I'm kind of aware that people can't see me smile at them and maybe I'm not, you know, appreciating that they still know I'm smiling, but of course they I do. Yeah. We're energetic mm. creatures above all. We, we are b balls of energy. We know that and we've measured it. So mm -hmm. if you're smiling genuinely, it will be felt in some way. Now, no, it's not as much fun as without the masks. I agree, mm. but it's still there. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. I'm going to do a little experiment. I'm going to, I'm going to see how that plays out. Cause I have been sad about not seeing other people smile and acknowledgement, even running errands or passing someone in the neighborhood. Um, yeah, I'm going to do a little experiment. So for people who are listening all over the world and are saying, boy, does that sound delightful <laughs> and different than what I'm doing now. And it's so painful and hard and disheartening with COVID and all of this. What would you tell them is the best way to put their toe in the water? Well, first of all, I would say, going back to acceptance, for heaven's sakes, give yourself permission to rant, rave, cry, scream, whatever you need to do, and put a timer on it. Because believe me, mm -hmm. I've done it through this and through other personal stuff. Is We all need to somehow get it out safely, some way, fine. But put a timer on it. Ten minutes is tops. <laughs> then, <laughs> it's literally muscle up, <laughs> suck it up. For me, affirmations, looking at, at, at videos of of funny animals um do whatever it takes to help switch your mindset to something prayer i mean everybody's different in what works for you you know i have dogs all it takes is five minutes with my dogs oh, and i'm good again of course but everybody you know has their own thing and and whatever it is doesn't matter you know we all know what that thing is that will perk us up so once you have allowed yourself to accept the grief the discouragement the whatever and Put a timer on it and, you're, and tell yourself, I'm done, I'm done. Mm -hmm. Then move over to something that uplifts you reliably. Reliably. So you're making choices. You're yes. making intentional choices to say, yes, I'm mad, I'm frustrated, I'm disheartened, and yet. That's the best word you could use, Nicole, the word and. Okay. It's, it's absolutely correct. It's yes, and. Not. Yeah, but do you even mm -hmm. hear the difference? We tend to, yeah, but ourselves a lot. Mm -hmm. We don't need to do that. I think this is going to be really helpful for so many folks. And I know that your work isn't necessarily clinical work, but as a clinician, you know, I, as you won't be surprised to hear, mm -hmm. people are really struggling. And this is, this is the message that I also try to get across is that yes, there's a lot of unknowns. Yes, your you know marriage was 
postponed. Yes, this is really scary. Um, and now what? What's the day going to bring? What can you do um, to feed that good, the good side? And hopefully my book, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I Survived COVID-19, what now, hopefully addresses a lot of those questions in very practical ways. Love that. So where can they find more about you and more about your book? Uh, the book um, is at Amazon. Mm -hmm. and all you have to Google is my name and the word COVID. And it comes okay. right up. And my name is Noelle Nelson. Yeah. Um, and my website is noellnelson.com. Okay. N-O-E-L-L-E-N-E-L-S-O-N.com. Mm -hmm. And of course, it would be my great joy if you would hop on over to the Facebook page called very simply Meet the Amazings mm -hmm. because they are really and truly absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. How inspirational and how uplifting, which is what we need right now. There couldn't be a better time. Thank you so much for sharing your journey with this and, and helping us understand why it's so important to be intentionally appreciative. Um, it's such a wonderful message. It's so important right now. I really appreciate you talking with me today. Thank you, Nicole. It's been delightful to interact with you. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. Uh, we give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long exploratory, you know, super in-depth, uh, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging 
at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest. Mm-hmm.